0: Uh, The Death of Rebounding hit some quick news stories that bubbled up during the weekend. It is a slow week in the NBA, but we're going to hit some stories that have been sort of bubbling around along with some listener DMs. And we also had a special guest interview with Katie Austin, who's a fitness host, massive platform on TikTok, on YouTube, all that. She's also the daughter of NBA super agent Jeff Austin, who represents Steph. No big deal. Giannis, formerly Chris Paul, Wesley Matthews. Great chat. Must listen. Al Horford. <laughs> Let's talk about him. Former Celtic turned sixer turned coat. Al Horford. Very sad and tumultuous departure from Philly. It was ugly when he left. There was some hate between him and the Philly fans. Not a shocker coming from someone who is. Hated by Philly fans. <laughs> but I don't know if there was a weirder fit than Al Horford being traded to the Thunder. One, because Horford has a huge contract. And two, because he's 34 in the Oklahoma City Thunder in the middle of a youth movement. I just forgot he even existed, literally. Like, did not remember who he played for, whether he was still playing. I knew he was still getting paid. <laughs> but I'm thinking to myself, huh? Where is he? He could fit somewhere. He has been one of the best leaders in the league. At one point, he was probably one of the best stretch fives in the league. Would you agree, Marty? Yeah, sure. He up was there. considered yeah. up there. He was highly coveted when he left for for Philly. It was there was a a few teams that were willing to pay him the max. I mm-hmm. would say, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Uh, but like I said, there's a youth movement happening in Oklahoma City. They have thirty four. Draft picks in the next seven years. Nuts. Thirty-four. I forget like 17 first rounders in the next seven years. And they've got a bunch of young guns that need to be in the oven. And there's only so much, only so much space in the oven. You can only have a little cookie sheet in there. So many only so many cookies can fit in the oven at one time. (laughs) And we know Al Horford is fully baked. He is a fully baked cookie. He is a crumbly ass cookie. And we've got dough sitting there on the Oklahoma City Thunder roster and they need to be inside that oven. So they shipped out another crumbly ass cookie, George Hill. (laughs) He's (laughs) he's in Philly now and they're now benching the latest news is they have now decided and announced. I don't know that they needed to announce this to the world, maybe because everyone would be wondering why the crumbly cookie is sitting at the end of the bench. But they said Al Horford is now sitting out the rest of the season. We are putting him on ice. That's what they're doing. They know. I mean, give it to OKC. They know exactly what they want. A guy who's getting paid 50 million. Just ridiculous. It's something
1: amount. dumb. It's something really, really dumb, dumb yeah.
0: amounts of money. And they're like, we don't care. <laughs> we traded you. We traded for you to get more picks. And now what we need is to build for the future. I think that they were, have been probably one of the most ruthless teams in the NBA in terms of getting rid of guys that they just have no use for.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know exactly what all this does. You know, he's still on the books for two seasons after this, and I don't think them sitting him out is going to make anyone else more likely to try to come <laughs> and swoop him. I mean, they made the they made that trade to get picks, and that's what they got, and they have to eat the contract a little bit.
0: Yeah. What's interesting, though, is that the world started clapping at Al Horford's sister on Twitter, and she was like, listen – This is Al Horford's decision. He was the one who said he was willing to let these young guys develop. It's not the team. It's not Sam Presti. It's Al. Al is such a great leader (laughs) that he is willing to do nothing and make millions and millions of dollars. Me too. I would like to do that. I would like to be the kind of leader that can make stupid doo-doo dumb money and not have to compete and put any more miles on my broken legs. But Greeny, here's where the interesting conversation comes. Greeny, who is one of our very own Barstool employees and Celtics ball washer, he just, (laughs) he's just riding Danny Ainge's dick into the sunset. He said to Al Horford's sister, he's basically our beat reporter, shout out to Greeny, love love Greeny, no shade really to Greeny. That was just for the comic value, honestly. He tweeted at her and said, but what if we miss Al? And we Celtics want him back and think his beautiful eyes could help. We'd love to see mm. him back in Boston. <laughs> and she said, we would love to see him back in Boston. We, the royal we, meaning Al Horford wants to go back to Boston too. <laughs> if you're his sister, this is the, the some sort of law of association here. She knows where he wants to be, she knows what the status is. I can promise you she's had that conversation with her brother. Certainly. And if he did not want to go back to Boston, she would not say whether he wanted to be there. What do you think about the potential of that band getting back together
1: again? I mean, I just don't think it's there as long as he's making $23 million <laughs> for the next two seasons. I think, uh, I think they'd rather have the two Js.
0: So here's what I think could be a possibility, though. Now we've got a situation where we're seeing these older, overpaid, we'll call it bunny ears superstars, Drummond, Blake Griffin, LaMarcus Aldridge, get bought out. OKC has them on the hook anyway. They said that they are going to pursue other options for Horford in the offseason. That other option could mean a buyout. It could mean a young player. I don't know. What do you think?
1: I mean, if they were able to do that, and Horford was able to get back on the Celtics for a very minimal, for like a Drummond level price, what he's getting now seven hundred
0: thousand dollars, yeah, something yeah, like
1: yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. If they could do that, uh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that team could use all of the veteran leadership and like someone that could like steer the ship a little more. Yeah, 100%. I think it'd be. I think it'd be great if they could pull it off. Yeah.
0: Otherwise, Al Horford is going to be the most expensive Udonis Haslam we've ever seen. (laughs) Just literally (laughs) DNPs and up there just clapping for Shea Gildress Alexander. Just one of the best development players in the league. This is what Horford had to say about what could have potentially have been a very awkward situation in Oklahoma City, which he has made unawkward. we'll call it. When I arrived, I understood the direction of the team. We had a great individual plan in place for me. And I feel like as a result, I played really great basketball for the Thunder. At the same time, I know what it's like to be young and an aspiring player at this point in the season. I understand how important meaningful minutes is for their careers and their development. I also understand how important it is for the organization to give them that opportunity, a.k.a. the cookie in the oven analogy. I am looking forward to supporting the guys who supported me, watching them continue to play the right way, and play together we as we have throughout the season while still being around the team and continuing my training. How do you not still love Al Horford? He's a top five leader in the NBA. Top five. And yes, as you said, I like the idea of Horford going back to Boston. I think one, you finally have someone to hold these young guns accountable. Jalen and Jason, they're not leaders. They're 23 and 24. What do they fucking know about leadership? Right. Just all they have is a couple of parables and some Tony Robbins quotes and some Eric Thomas. (laughs) They have no life experience to draw from. One of the oldest players on the team is fucking Marcus Smart. I don't think he's the one. Certainly, Brad Stevens is not the one. I would not allow him to lead me anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) This guy, everything he says is basically at like a half a decibel. I can't follow that. I'd rather have Ted Lasso as my fucking head coach than Brad Stevens. I well, tell I mean, you what. Wouldn't we all? Wouldn't we all? Yeah, Great series. <laughs> so yeah, I, w- I think if you could get Al Horford for the cheap, that could be quite the intriguing prospect, not only from an interior defense level, spreading the floor with a big man that can shoot, just like Danny Ainge says that he wants, and a man who can beautifully hold these young guns accountable. So I like that. But We'll have to see. Uh, Let's move on. Another piece of news. Uh, Internet is mad. Shocking. (laughs) Uh, They're mad somehow at KD because the Nets got James Harden and Blake Griffin and LaMarcus Aldridge. And according to them, those players going to the Nets is because KD is a bitch. That's basically what they're saying online right now. They are incensed because they say, how could you possibly go on record and say, you're one of the greatest basketball players right now on the planet, which he is. KD would say he's number one. How could you say that and then need all of these former all-stars on your team? How? How could you be such a bitch to want to play team basketball? (laughs) That's crazy. Not only are they saying... And discrediting his past rings, they are now trying to discredit future rings as well. They're devaluing him. And KD is having zero of that. None of that. He is searching his name on Twitter, which we know. Oh, yeah. These mentions, he's got hundreds of thousands. So he's literally. He's
1: he's said that he does this. (laughs) He
0: he has said, I come to Twitter for this reason alone. Mm -hmm. To fight And he's Googling his name on Twitter and going deep into his mentions and clapping back at guys who are irrelevant with like 11 followers, giving them exactly what they want, which is attention. KD just spitting facts. And have you seen the recent exchange?
1: Uh, I did see it, but I didn't go all the way through it.
0: Okay, so here's how it goes down. Here's how it starts. Some guy With the screen name. Do we use screen names or is it handles? Handle. But I like screen name. Remember screen name? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Lots of fun. Big Poseidon tweeted out right after the Aldridge news broke. Literally just attributing every piece of good news that the Brooklyn Nets have to why Katie sucks. (laughs) And he says, this is why I don't watch the NBA no more. The Warriors ruined it. Now the Nets make it worse. And they both have one common denominator. This fuck, Kevin Durant. I mean. (laughs) And KD, which is wild, responds immediately, pretty much, and says, I see you took all of this personally, LMAO. Great clapback. (laughs) And Poseidon responds back with, LMAO, you know I did. Yo ass better not lose or I'm on yo top. (laughs) It may be noted that top Could mean many things. So, KD responds, pause that. My guy. Pause.
1: Okay, KD. Nice one.
0: (laughs) Pause. Oh, man. I just say KD is just like all of us. Very easily triggered about certain things. And willing to come at anyone who hits those triggers, no matter how many followers that they have. So, another commenter comes back at KD in the same ass thread and he goes... I see you can't really lead a team on your own. First up, the Warriors may not have won those other two rings without Kevin Durant. And so, Kevin Durant could be seen as an integral part of those rings, a.k.a. a leader. Okay, I mean,
1: he won two finals MVPs. He
0: won two finals MVPs, which they don't give out easily. Ask Steph Curry. Shade. <laughs> so KD KD had a perfect response and he says, I'll never be able to do anything that I really want to do on Earth. Or Saturn or Mars. He didn't say that part. He didn't say on Saturn or Mars. He said I will never be able to do anything that I want to do on Earth by myself. If you think about it, the longer that you think about it, the more deep it sounds. I think maybe this, the word Earth makes it sound deep. <laughs> Sounds like he's been hanging out with Kyrie a little bit.
1: Yeah, probably. Just burning (laughs) some
0: sage, talking about their plans on Earth and how they can do anything together in synergy. Just dropping. I know you hate Kyrie. I do. Dropping nuggets like a Greek philosopher, but making me feel better about myself (laughs) when I get mad about things, when people say Tristan knows nothing about basketball, that triggers me. I'm not going to lie. I will respond to that. How dare you? I probably have forgotten more about basketball than these motherfuckers on Twitter (laughs) know about basketball. (laughs) So, okay. So, KD being human, just like the rest of us, is warming to my particular soul. So, as much as I love seeing KD on the court, which I think that there are things that are really wrong with KD right now from a health standpoint. Yeah, there's
1: got to be. I mean, I don't
0: think he sits out for a month and change and probably more unless something's really, really bad. I don't think a strained hamstring keeps KD from playing hoop after he hasn't played
1: in two years. So, I'm with you on that. Um,
0: But when he is out and not playing, he is very active on social media, which means more exchanges like this, which means more segments for us on this league. So, uh, all right, next news, Lonzo Ball. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on. There's conflicting news stories everywhere. Does he want to be in New Orleans or not, Marty?
1: I don't think he does, no. And I (laughs) definitely uh, don't think uh, his father does. Well, his father came straight out and said, uh, we don't want to be in New Orleans. It's
0: very hard to tell one person from another because his father and him are certainly different. But it's just the tea leaves are scattered to the winds. I can't read them. This is what's happening as we know it now. The latest news is this. One NBA agent went on the record. I hope it was his agent. That'd been amazing. <laughs> so one NBA agent said this about Lonzo. Lonzo enjoys playing for the Pelicans, but is not a fan of New Orleans. I like New Orleans. New Orleans is great.
1: It's just, but I understand if you come from that NBA culture, it may not be the city for you.
0: And he is from L.A. And let's be real. New Orleans is not a basketball town. It no. is a football town. You are the little fish in town. So the agent says, however, he really wants to end up with the Knicks or the Bulls. That has been a dream of his is likely he will try to leave in the offseason. Okay, I get that.
1: Restricted free. agent. Restricted
0: free agent (laughs) wants to leave. Cool. But the VP of basketball operations, David Griffin, said right after the trade deadline that the reason that they didn't trade him was because Lonzo Ball wants to be there. He said Lonzo Ball has said he loves his teammates and he has made it very clear personally one-on-one to me, David Griffin. He wants to be here in New Orleans. He loves it here. Okay. Well, (laughs) those two things cannot exist at the same time. Cannot. Lonzo Ball's dad says this, like you said, he does not want to be in New Orleans and he should not be in New Orleans and he's not being used properly in New Orleans. No, no, no! This is what he says. No, no, no! He cannot stay in New Orleans. Come on, man. Come on. Listen, Lonzo's always been a playmaker. <laughs> this is how I think he sounds. Why are you trying to change him into a? De- <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> into a defensive specialist and stays in the corner shooting threes. And you're trying to change Zion and Brandon Ingram all throughout their careers. They've never been playmakers. Pause. Zion hasn't had much of a career, LaVar. (laughs) You don't know what he has done and what he has not done. They are scorers. Now you want to put the ball in their hands and make them playmakers? Yo, go score the ball and do what you do. And guess what? They're going to have a hard time trying to win every game if the playmaker ain't making the right plays. So he is mad that Lonzo's being used in a way that we'll call him... Limits what he's allowed to do on the court. Yeah, would you call that fair? Yeah,
1: I mean he's kind of like a three and D guard that can slash sometimes, but yeah, isn't the primary ball handler, so he doesn't always get those opportunities, and yeah. he doesn't
0: get to make decisions. Yeah, can't be a Lamelo highlight machine when you don't got the ball in your hand primarily. When you're there just waiting, you're literally you're just in a in a shooting stance waiting <laughs> to get the ball kicked out to you <laughs> when they collapse on Brandon Ingram. Lonzo is reportedly 3&D specialist now, asking $20 million a year in the offseason. ESPN is predicting that he'll make in the region, in the neighborhood of 18. Lonzo, good kid, has been very diplomatic. He said, I love playing with those guys in New Orleans. I'm also really cool with them off the floor as well. We're all young. I think we can do some big things, especially in the future coming up. Hmm. It's hard to say what's happening. I just don't know. I think what Lonzo is doing is good old fashioned playing both sides of the middle. I think he is open to other offers, but also open to staying in New Orleans, basically telling off record to folks like Chicago and New York. I am very interested in your franchise while still saying all the right things to David Griffin so that they don't discard him. And he's not in no man's land if both of those situations don't work out. But I get it. I I see why New Orleans is not, like you said, as enticing as a market as New York or Chicago. It's not easy to build a brand in New Orleans. It's just
1: not. As a basketball player, no. As a basketball
0: player, it's not. I don't know if it's like an easy place to build a brand, period. And the Pelicans are have a terrible name. And I think that actually degrades the brand as well. But Damian Lillard has shown that it's not impossible with his Hulu has live sports shit. He was on State Farm. He's playing for Portland and he's transcended. He is what we would call a household name. So does he want to be a brand in a place in like New Orleans or does he think he can do more in a place like New York or Chicago? Great questions. I don't know the answer, but it also could be like LeVar said, the way that he's being used. Does he want to be used the best way that the Pels think that he can be successful for their team? Or does he want to be used in the best way that highlights all of his skills and makes him more highlightable? Highlightable on, is that a a term? Highlightable? It could be. Hard hard to say. I don't know. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens in the offseason. Because I know Leon Rose, very high on Lonzo Ball. 20 million? I don't know. They have Emmanuel Quickly. They have Derrick Rose. Mm, 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 mm. Tough. Tough to say. <laughs> Maybe sign-in trade. Maybe a sign-in trade so that they can get someone in exchange. Because Lonzo walking for nothing makes David Griffin look like a fucking idiot. This league. You know who got paid in full? Fucking Andre Drummond got paid in full. Oh yes. A lot of money. lot of money that boy got. He is one of the most overpaid players in recent memory, that 2016, 2017, those two years, guys just got an absurd, ungodly Mm -hmm. amount of money that they did not deserve. Listen, I want everybody to get their money. Whatever the world is willing to pay you, get it all. Get it all. Oh, certainly. But that does not preclude me from evaluating you based on how much you get paid. And I don't think that value matches up with the amount that he has gotten paid. But, God bless him. So the news of the weekend, Andre Drummond took a buyout from the Cleveland Cavaliers and was the bell of the ball. Where would he sign? He's getting closer and closer to making his decision like (laughs) LeBron James, (laughs) press conference style. Will he go to the Boston Celtics? He is getting closer. Will he go to the Miami Heat? Will he go to the Nets? Which made no sense. Nope. He went where everybody had been talking about him going pretty much all year. Uh, LA Lakers interesting that dan gilbert let that happen
1: <laughs> yeah no i mean we all kind of saw uh the writing on the wall that it was going to be uh to the lakers and uh his uh contract uh is in the amount of seven hundred ninety-four thousand five hundred thirty-six that he gave back in his buyout with the calves it's a uh, very friendly signing that will still allow the lakers to remain under the cap and sign a 15th player
0: yikes great for them terrible for the rest of the league just terrible just sickening But oh, how the mighty have fallen. Andre Drummond is just one of many, one of many players that is at the end of his contract. Five years, one hundred and twenty seven million dollars that he signed for. Just let that sink in a guy who was discarded by the Detroit Pistons and then discarded by the Cleveland Cavaliers. Two teams that you would think would want to hang on to a guy like that. (laughs) And they said, no, Uh, we'd rather have Jared Allen. We would rather have anyone else on the Detroit Pistons. <laughs> but it's crazy because he is the best rebounder in the NBA right now. Oh, yeah, easy. The best. And I didn't know this until we were doing some research. He is one of the best rebounders in the history of the game. In his last three years, this is an interesting stat, he's averaged 15 or more rebounds a game, and that is more 15 rebounds a game seasons than the entire NBA combined in the last two decades.
1: Yeah, I believe that. Monster. I mean, 15s, that's a shit ton of boards. That's a yeah. shit
0: ton of consistent boards. <laughs> yeah. So why did he get traded by one of the worst teams in basketball and then get bought out by another terrible team? There's a new article, and that's detailing it why. This guy, Chris Herring, did a deep dive called "Great Great Headline. I am like a sucker for headlines. Mm-hmm. The headline is Bored to Death. <laughs> Welcome to the NBA where rebounders have little value. What a great <laughs> fucking article title. I love that. Yeah. In it he argued the big man of yesterday is truly a thing of the past.
1: Yeah, I mean, he argued uh that it's the death of rebounding. I don't know if I'm quite there, but it was uh it was very interesting what he had to say.
0: Where do you stand on rebounding?
1: I mean, I, I still think a guy that can go up and get you 12, 13 a game has value but not if he clanks up the court and just shrinks it and can't do anything. If that's your only thing you can do, then yeah, we have problems. Yeah.
0: Yep. I agree. Look at the waiver wire right now. LaMarcus Aldridge, Gorgie Jang, Blake Griffin, Boogie Cousins, Marquise Chris. Guys like Hassan Whiteside as well, an elite rebounder, defensive specialist, block monster, getting zero minutes in Sacramento, rumored to be waived. Just Those are the guys. They are the dinosaurs in terms of the type of game that they've had. LaMarcus Aldridge is a little bit different.
1: A little bit, yeah. And
0: Blake Griffin to a degree as well. But those guys were big men that were there to be the defensive specialist and also grab boards.
1: I do think Drummond is much better than all of those guys, though. At rebounding. To be fair.
0: At rebounding. I think as a whole. You think as a whole? Hassan Whiteside is not that different statistically than Andre Drummond.
1: I know statistically, but if you watch him, Drummond's a better defender. Like, uh, Hassan will get some blocks, but, like, he, he they, gets it put on.
0: The thing is, they both decide when and where and how they want to share and spread their effort. They are not always consistently giving you the effort that that you want, which is why I think him going to the Lakers is a huge deal. But why is this happening? Why are big men being thrown overboard just about everywhere? Why did Danny Ainge feel like his starting center, Daniel Tice, was the expendable piece in the salary dump? So the answer is that the game has changed. Teams are starting to catch up. And we are now seeing that the game has evolved and has taken time for NBA GMs to essentially get on board with that philosophy. They were paying guys that they should not have been paying for things that were not currently... Matching up value-wise, like you said, it, that, it's not like NBA rebounding doesn't matter. It's just that you have to also do other things at that same exact time as well in order to be valuable. You cannot yes. make 127 million dollars and only rebound and defend. Sorry, you just that's just not enough to give you staying power. The league, as we know now, I don't, I don't understand. The question is, why do people not want to get on board with scoring being the most important thing in the NBA?
1: <laughs> yeah I don't know what that is it's what you kind of see in baseball where people just hang on to just the I don't want to say boring but just hang on to old fundamental aspects of the game that they don't like seeing going away for some reason like I don't know I think it's driven in like what we learn in youth sports and shit and it really doesn't play into modern athletics
0: there are a lot of people on the internet that get very mad at me because I value my we'll call it talent evaluation on players. Overweight scoring but that's the NBA where we are. Mm -hmm. The NBA is overweighting scoring so I am going to overweight scoring as well. The league values scoring over everything else. That's the cold hard facts. No matter what your position is you have to score. You can't be a center that can't score anymore. Andre Drummond has an atrocious jump shot. That's a problem. His th- I don't even know what he does with his arms. <laughs> I don't even know what's going on. It is bad. It is bad. <laughs> Rebounds, defense do not matter as much, especially when other positions need to rebound. Because here's here's how we break it down. If the three-pointer is king, and you're shooting from the logo, and it doesn't go in, anyone who understands physics... I think it's physics. (laughs) Understand. Understand. I think so. Angles? I don't know. Is it trigonometry? I don't know if it's trigonometry. Math, angles. It's physics. The ball hits the rim at a certain... It is. It is physics. Force Mm -hmm. and momentum, power, whatever. We'll just throw out some buzzwords. And the way that the ball comes off the rim is going to rebound further away from the basket than Andre Drummond can go and get it. It's going to probably go past... Back out to the three-point line where other guards and forwards who are on the wing anyway are in a position to get that rebound. So, therefore, 15 boards for Andre Drummond is even more spectacular right now, but Mm -hmm. not as important because how important the three-point line is. Does that make sense? It does, yeah. Okay. That's how you get Luka averaging nine rebounds a game. (laughs) That's fucking absurd. So, what you really need in the NBA are forwards and guards who can rebound. Not so much centers who can rebound because they need to be away from the paint anyway. They need to be allowed to give Damian Lillard the space that he can and needs to go to the hole. So David Cowens, a former legendary rebounder, told SI in this article, it used to be that the lane was crowded where there'd be a free-for-all to grab a board. Now you look up and only guys you're contending for a rebound with are your teammates. Guys are just getting back like uh, the Stan Van Gundy style. You see the ball not go in the hoop, you just run the other direction. Just don't even try. I don't know. I agree with the article, but we can't just act like Andre Drummond is discardable only because he's just a rebounder. I think it's really because he makes so much damn money.
1: It just Oh, well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he's been on teams that are rebuilding. I mean, that's the reason he's been yeah thrown away.
0: So Hassan Whiteside went from four years, $98 million, In 2016, he went from making $27 million last year (laughs) to this year making $2 million in Sacramento, not being able to get any playing time whatsoever. There are now rumblings that he might get bought out this year. So that's the reason why, is like this is a very high, like this is a highly needed skill, just not a highly paid skill, right? Mm -hmm. You're now a rotation guy. If you can't score Hassan Whiteside, which you can't. Um, we just have no use for you. And LaMarcus Aldridge, him too. He signed a two-year, $50 million contract with the Spurs uh, in 2019, which really would not have ever been paid to anyone else uh, on any other team, except for Greg Popovich is just still very firmly on board yeah. with paying these big men no matter what. He's just, Tim Duncan, Tim Duncan, Tim Duncan, David Robinson, David Robinson.
1: That was kind of a loyalty contract, too. For sure. Yeah.
0: Which I don't understand.
1: No, but. <laughs> Fuck on Marcus Aldridge.
0: Gorgie Jang, also now about to get picked up for the Spurs. They got rid of Marquise Chris just so that they could put Gorgie Jang on the team. I called that. Did you? Yeah. I didn't
1: call it, but I just said he will hate Marquise Chris.
0: Yes, I remember that. I saw the Gorgie Jang signing and I was like, yes, Greg Popovich <laughs> is like a fucking drug addict jonesing for his big man in the center who can block shots and get boards and and be this, like, defensive presence for your team and be this leader, this, like, highly affable guy that everyone circles and centers around. I was just like, oh, my God, this is insane. So Andre Drummond signing with the Lakers. I like the fit. Probably could have fit in with the Heat, Celtics, or Brooklyn. Um, but what an embarrassment that this Riches is for the Lakers and for the Nets. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah, it's just a harsh reality that basketball is now changing. This offense is key. The three-pointer is trumping everything. Teams are just valuing shooting and passing over rebounding and defense, and, and the traditional center is now a victim of these times. So that's why a seven two monster like Roy Hibbert can be out of a job at 30. That's just an insane, sad,
1: sad story. How that happened. I mean— It was the speed with which Roy Hibbert fell off. That is really insane. Like he was an all-star in 2013-14. He was an all-star, like defensive player of the year candidate. And by the playoffs, he was unplayable.
0: Yeah, it was like you close your eyes. It's almost like spring has sprung, right? There's this little building outside of my apartment and I walk my dog there every day and it was like dirt and then all of a sudden I woke up one morning and the plants were like a foot high. Yeah, It's like you wake up and it's like Roy Hibbert's no longer playable. You wake up, Gorgie Jang's not a player. Woke up, all of a sudden Andre Drummond is no longer useful at this contract. So we're going to see that happen, I think, more and more. I think more trees are going to continue. It's like the death of the running back to a degree and then the resurgence, obviously, of the running back. As the offensive styles change, that dictates which which positions get paid and, you know, how highly coveted they are. Yeah, so I like that. I think the only team really the tree is valuable for is as long as Greg Popovich is still alive coaching basketball, <laughs> there's a place for you somewhere. Marty, we had a great conversation with content creator Katie Austin, daughter of NBA super agent Jeff Austin, who represents Steph Curry. He represented Chris Paul, Giannis crazy client list he is a managing partner of octagon which is nuts and she's also the daughter of fitness legend De- denise austin who was on espn for like 10 years running daughter of royalty in in the fitness <laughs> and, and athletic space conversation was interesting to say the least she talked about what it was like to grow up with the dad who represented these types of athletes she was around it since she was little she actually had a dinner or With Chris Paul, like all the time he would come over to the house. So little girl, Katie Austin in the middle of that. Her (laughs) NBA experience, she covered the summer league. She also covered the league for Fox Sports West. And uh, the funny thing was how Bryce Alford and her relationship with him ruined NCAA basketball for her for life. So a must listen. It's coming up next. On this league, we have a special guest, Katie Austin, host and fitness personality. Beautiful, radiating smile, former D1 athlete. She spent time covering the NBA for Fox Sports West and the NBA during Summer League. Thank you so much for joining us, Katie. Is that good? Hi,
2: how are you? Thanks for having me.
0: <laughs> so I actually got my start covering the NBA Summer League, too.
2: Did you really? What year? Yeah.
0: James' first year so okay 2012
2: okay I was like 2018 through 2019 actually 2017 maybe yeah 2017
0: it's an incredible place to get your start covering the league because it's so much more accessible than you could ever imagine the NBA being and probably never will be again outside of that particular event 100%
2: 100% and they give you so much creativity but it is such a grind I mean you are waking up at 6am you are trying to get the stories out and then you have like a, an intern camera guy there's probably like 10 hosts when we did it and three camera guys and so all the hosts kind of like fight over what camera guy that, that you know people are going to use that day it is such a hustle so to be thrown into something like that right after college was like such a great experience
0: and Warren's a great guy too. Warren and uh, Albert Al- Hall. Albert Hall. Yeah, they both they both have done an incredible job of making that into a spectacle. But you're Absolutely. right; there are games going on from day until night, back to back to back, and you're going back before. And people don't know that it's two arenas. No, and you're having to go back and and forth between all the
2: real NBA players, not just the ones, you know, who are the rookies and, you know, right out of college, but all NBA players come and watch the young guys. And so you have your pick on so many different athletes to interview. And that was like the coolest part because I did so many different pieces on real NBA guys too.
0: Who was your favorite person to interview while you were there?
2: Oh man, that's a really hard question. Um, ah, Oh, okay. So I did this piece where I like danced with the guys. It was like three years ago where uh, this dance move was like really trending in the floss. So I'd ask every guy what their favorite dance move was and I'd make them do it with me. And they were so awkward and I had to be like so energetic and kind of crazy. Be like, just do it with me. And there's like no music. And I think everyone hated me, but like it worked and it made for a great piece.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's amazing. I think that people know you from your mom and fitness through your mom, but they don't know that your dad is a super agent.
2: No one has any idea. I actually mentioned it for the first time on my Instagram. Like I think as you know, a month ago or two months ago, which is crazy because I get so much shit online because I am a bandwagon fan for so many different teams. I wear so many different jerseys and I get hate messages. Like literally these guys will come to me and be like, you were just cheering for the Warriors. Why are you a Lakers fan now? Why are you cheering for the Dallas Mavericks now? And I'm like, you don't understand. My dad has like 17 players. And I cheer wherever team they are. And so I'm definitely America's biggest bandwagon fan. And that's what made me love the NBA so much because I grew up watching it with my dad, obviously, for work and uh, going to games, so many games with him growing up, which, is, which has been awesome.
0: Was it weird being a, a little kid and your dad working the room when you're, doing, you know, you're going to a game that you enjoy and you get to see him kind of like schmooze, but also it very much being work?
2: Yes, my dad's definitely not a schmoozer. He's the most (laughs) humble, quiet, shy man ever and just so, so smart. Um, But it's so funny because, uh, you know, the guys at school, I just remember like even in elementary school and middle school, guys would think I'm like the coolest girl because my dad and then girls would think I'm cool because my mom and then I definitely got bullied um, because of my mom. We'll get into that. We can get into that later. Um, but yeah, it was just, it was really awesome because I got to meet all these amazing players. And I just like remember growing up with Chris Paul. And so even now seeing him and his family, it's just like, I was so in, like, in, it was just instilled in me for growing up with NBA players. And I think that's like one of the coolest parts that and, and, and a great gift that I was given because interviewing NBA players, came kind of easy to me because I wasn't really starstruck by them if that makes sense because they would come yeah. over to my house for dinner and so you know you see an NBA player and you just talk to them and you're comfortable like you are with any normal human
0: what do you think you outside of not being starstruck do you think that your mindset interviewing an athlete is different knowing that there's a whole brand behind them and an agent and publicist and the whole business side um, do you think that, that affects how you actually ask questions and what you
2: ask? Most definitely. You have to, like, well, especially at Summer League, that's a great example to go back to that. Every question's approved. And so you have to not only go through their agency, but you have to go through the team's publicist. So it's very hard. And I think I definitely have a little bit of an advantage just because. I feel like I would be able to ask some of my dad's players a little bit more intimate questions than a normal person, if that makes
0: right. sense. Right. Yeah, they're more comfortable and they know what your your intentions yeah. are. How come you decided to go the fitness slash hosting route instead of going into the business side like your dad?
2: It's funny because I was, I was actually at... Um, where was it? NBA All-Star last February. And I literally got approached by an agency being like, if you ever want to work for us and be an agent like your dad, we know, you know, the business side, please give me, here's your my card. And that was like the first time I thought about it. Um, but as far as uh, fitness and hosting, I actually studied broadcast journalism at USC. And so I knew from a very young age, I wanted to be in broadcast. I just didn't know exactly what. Um, and so I hosted a sports show at USC for two and a half years. Um, and then after about a year and a half of sports hosting, I kind of got a little bit like, okay, wait, I was an athlete my entire life. My mom was in fitness. I love fitness so much. I love to work out. Let's make a, a, you know, a weekly segment about fitness hosting. And so I kind of combined my love for like the broadcast side and the working outside. And now that's why I call myself a fitness personality, but also a huge reason is because I saw my mom growing up people come up to her all the time being like you saved my life you helped me lose all this weight you gave me that confidence to like walk into a room you gave me the confidence to break up with my husband literally someone said that to her and I was like holy shit the fitness industry is so rewarding and so I've been really struggling the past few years between like sports hosting if I want to take that route like very strongly and then the fitness route because I've been really doubling with them for the past you know I would say three years out of college and so when you double two careers you can't put your full heart into either of them. You know, you're kind of giving half ass to both of them because you if you want to be a good sports host, you have to give it your 100%. And same with being a fitness, you know, influencer or personality. And so, I'm still kind of in that in between right now, um, but I definitely think the fitness industry has been more rewarding.
0: Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head when you're doing sports hosting or even agency work, no one's going to come up and say, "Hey, you you changed my life to give me the strength and courage to leave my husband." Right. That's wild. That's wild. Why do you think your dad, you you mentioned he is not a schmoozer. He's like a very humble kind of no BS guy. What do you think makes him as successful as he is? I think he's top 10, top 10 agent in the NBA for a very long time now, at least.
2: Yeah. Oh, totally. Um, Well, he has a lot of integrity and he started by representing his best friend who was Jimmy Connors at the time number one in the world for tennis and his sister who was number one in tennis for women's and so when he started being an agent in his early 30s he represented two number one people in the world for tennis for a sport both women's and men's and both of them were you know his best friends and I mean his sister and very two close people and so I think you know obviously it stems from his heart being so successful I think being kind to people goes a very, very long way in the industry. And to be honest, a lot of these agents that are schmoozers, they can win it first. And then in the long run, it'll never work. And that's why my dad has such longevity with his career because he's so kind and so humble. But at the same time, like he learned how to really, really care for his clients with, you know, his sister and his best friend starting out and who are two top athletes in the entire world, but also not in it for the money. He's in it because he cares deeply about them. So he's very loyal, very loyal to his clients. And he cares a lot.
0: It seems like he also has a lot of guys who were not highly touted who became superstars.
2: Yes, yes, he definitely does. He has Steph right? Curry. Steph
0: Curry, um,
2: Giannis. Yes, the big one was Stephen Curry. I mean, we I feel like a lot of people did know that Giannis was gonna be a superstar, you know, when my dad's company signed him, but uh, Steph was kind of um, you know, a little bit of an underdog. But my dad, <laughs> this will very tell my dad's age. My dad represented Del Curry.
0: Oh his wow. Dad.
2: Yeah. So, so yeah, Stefan was just kind of like, yeah, I'll sign with, um, you know, Jeff, My, my dad's name is Jeff, but I'll sign with Jeff as well. And then another one that he got, uh, which I just love Wesley Matthews story. And Wesley has been with my dad for a while, right out of college. And, you know, he was undrafted and, uh, he signed like, I want to say like an $80 million deal. Um, so, you know, he has a lot of guys that did either go undrafted, uh, came from Europe or definitely were the underdog like Steph.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. What do you think it, besides integrity, do you think it takes to be, to, to, to accumulate these types of levels of clients?
2: networking networking is key and being again goes back to kindness being nice to people and I think one of my dad's biggest things is going into everything with an open hand like my dad will never ask people for favors he will always be the nice guy in situations but I do think networking and knowing people is very important especially like even for me as at a personal level for my career I could not get to where I am today, first off, obviously my hard work, but without networking. Um I went to USC, which is a massive networking school. And so um I think network as much as you can. I know right now in this day and age, it's a lot over Zoom, but like you guys can still network with people online and virtually. So making sure you have a good, like close group of people that like can actually help you. Um, And again, going into it with an open hand, try your best not to ask too many people for too many favors, because it will get out in the industry that you're the type of people that you're the type of person that just asks for favors and gives nothing in return. You can't be that person. It's interesting.
0: Some I always get banged on because I have a lot of friends in the industry that are A-list names and I never ask them to be an interview for my podcast because I just feel like right. it it degrades the friendship at that point.
2: I, want- I have never asked any of my dad's clients to be interviewed. I've never asked them to, to for in anything, truly. And I might, I, <laughs> I'm not yeah. saying, I'm saying yeah, because like I love Stephen Curry on my show 100%, but at the same time, like, I never want my dad's clients to think I'm using them. That'd be the worst possible situation.
0: And at, at a certain point you have to think, is the is the platform that I'm creating, does it make sense for them right now for that favor to be used in this moment? Like, is the audience totally. that is going to to come along with this interview going to be enough to ask for this favor? Like if yeah, I ask Mike I've Wilbon or, or, or Strahan yeah, or whatever. I've
2: also always very weary of people thinking... That I get everything handed to me. Um, It's kind of been one of my insecurities in in my backbone, like in the back of my mind. Like, I never want people to think I have my parents' money. I, um, you know, I just get certain things because of who my parents are, because. It's actually the opposite. I, you know, got a scholarship to USC. I worked really freaking hard to get there. I did four hours of practice for basically my entire life to get to to LA because I'm from Virginia originally. Um, after college, I my, my parents were like, "Let's uh, let us invest hundred thousand dollars in your fitness business." Didn't take fucking penny. Well at a cuss? Sorry. No, you can. You can. It's good. <laughs> I didn't take a penny, and like with my app, um, I have a fitness app now, and it's like the Katie Austin app, and it's doing awesome. But people don't know that. Yes, I could have borrowed some money from my parents to build that app, but no, I partnered with someone. So we split it 50, 50, you know, like I take the routes that I don't have to, I never had to ask for that, those, you know, that money from them or ask for favors from them. Yes. I do have the last name that definitely helps with my mom in the fitness industry, but at the same time, like I really try my best. That's, I think that's why I work so hard is to kind of, you know, break out of that stigma that I just get everything handed to me.
0: Why is that important to you?
2: I don't know. I feel like this is about to be a therapy session. (laughs) I don't know. I really don't know why that's important to me. I mean, like, I guess I, I want to make a name for myself and outside of who my mom is, especially we've been talking a lot about my dad in this, but my mom had her own fitness TV show for 24 years. My mom was on ESPN for 10 years with her own show five days a week. And so coming into an industry where my mom is like such a legend is like, I'm not going to lie. There's a lot of pressures that go along with it. It's like, Oh shoot you not going to be as successful as her. Like she made, you know, she sold X DVD. She made X amount of money. It's like, you have to live up to that if you're in the same freaking industry as her and a lot of people I think like when I first started I got a lot of hate messages about it like you'll never be your mom but people are becoming a lot nicer now um, yeah. knowing that I actually do have the talent to be where I am and so I think I just want to prove myself I've always been either my 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 older sister was number one in the nation for lacrosse and I was always like a little bit below her in lacrosse like a little bit not as good as her because she was on the cover of like Sony magazines and um, you know I've always been the sister or the daughter of and I think it just kind of got to me my senior year of college I'm like f this I'm in my own person and I'm excited for it
0: kind of feeling like you were just you were born in the shadow of a bunch of people who were legends
2: exactly like my aunt's a freaking legend my aunt was number one she's the youngest ever to win the U.S. Open and I come from a, a very a very very successful family so I just want to make success on my own
0: you talked about you being an athlete you were a Let's just call it a stud. You were a stud. You led the nation in assists, right? In lacrosse.
2: Um, I do know that.
0: You know, I do do a little, do a Thank little you research. So much. <laughs> you got a scholarship to SE SC for lacrosse, right? But this was at the exact time where people who were in your exact situation, right? Parents with money and power and fame were buying their kids into the same schools that you were at.
2: <laughs> yup.
0: Did you have any feeling that that was even a possibility while you were there? And when that news broke, what were you leaking?
2: Because I worked so hard in lacrosse, like lacrosse where I'm from in Virginia, we were number one in the nation in in my high school. I mean, it was like D one in high school. It was insane. And it was so highly competitive. We had 10 girls in our class, all go D one basically end all be all was lacrosse. When I got to school, people are like, what's lacrosse? Uh, is it the club team? Or like, what? what it was six? Because it, it's like Los Angeles. They're like, what is this sport? And I'm like, what the hell? We're like the popular cool girls in high school. And then after I graduated with all this stuff coming out, um, you know, about the, the rowing team, it was just so crazy because I would say I went to USC for lacrosse. And people are like, sit back and they're like, is they're like, lacrosse huh. a sport? what's this? And I'm like, they're like, I've never seen anything about USC lacrosse. And I'm and and they like, know who my parents are. And I'm literally like, you guys, I went, that's why my mom and I always say, like, whenever I say, I went to USC and I played lacrosse. We always say, my mom was always like, and you worked hard to get in. You always have to say that. <laughs> like, I know, I know. Um, but no, it's really crazy. And I actually had an experience with that. Um, my first day, my orientation, we did this athlete orientation. And um, I don't know if it has anything to do with this, but I remember meeting a rower and she was like the coxswain. And I remember being like, like talking to her about row or something. And she was like, just this lost new LA girl. Like basically she was just like really cute. And I was like, you're an athlete. Cause I was, just, I was, I was a little different back then. I was very, very, so much a Tombo. I was like, you're an athlete. Like, what do you do? And she was like telling me she was a coxswain. So she had to like weigh less and she was only, you know, like a hundred pounds or something. I was like, Oh wow. Cool. I see her two days later, like when school started. And she was just like in a cute dress. And I was like, what are you doing? And she was like, I'm rushing. And I'm like, how are you allowed to rush? I thought you're not allowed to rush because, you know, I was allowed to rush. I was like, what the fuck? And she was like, oh, I quit rowing. And I'm like, second- two days in? Yeah, I was like, your second day? Um, okay, like what? What? And so I was like, now looking back, I thought nothing about it. I was like, she was like, it was too much for me. I just realized I wanted to be a sorority girl. I was like, looking back, I'm like, was she part of it? like holy shit that's so crazy but i never had any inkling in my mind whatsoever that that even existed
0: yeah I and i think, think it probably that. plays plays on your in your narrative of like everybody's and and like that situation happening at the same time you were there and just being another stereotype and like thing that people believe about you that's not true
2: exactly yes especially USC I'm sorry but our school has the worst rep for spoiled children
0: totally yeah that's the university of spoiled children I went to Oregon yeah so I grew, I grew up in Portland went to Oregon and then a bunch of lacrosse kids actually at Oregon and then moved to LA to get into media and so I was sort of around USC and all these kids at that time so yeah it's uh it's crazy you know it. yep. yeah and I know it <laughs> What do you, uh, speaking of women's sports, what do you think about those IG photos that leaked um, of the weight room and the, the
2: food, the quote unquote food? I'm not surprised whatsoever. Like I saw, and obviously it makes me really, really, really angry, but it's like, you guys this has been for years like what do you guys expect almost it's kind of like I'm really glad the media caught wind of it because it's like very eye-opening but at the same time it's like uh yeah no shit right um you know women's sports have been you know not equal to men's for forever but at the same time I go back on it and I'm like well the only reason that I did go to USC was because of title nine and like because they had a lacrosse team is because they wanted they needed equal amount of sports as men and so I go back on it um back and forth on it but obviously you should have the same fucking weight room and the same food as the men's basketball team that has nothing and and they even said it has nothing to do with money it had something to do with space which was just such a lie so I do think because the media got caught wind of it it will be different next year but that's the only reason why which sucks
0: Was that your experience when you were playing? Is that they just consistently sort of gave you guys lesser than?
2: Um, Well, there was not lesser than, honestly. I mean, there was definitely uh, more attention from the trainers, which I didn't mind because I didn't want to go do (laughs) mobility exercises and foam rolling and ice and stuff 24-7. So um, I guess like little instances I felt – you know, a, a little bit lesser than. Um, but honestly, we had the same everything, like the same weight room. Um, you know, same food, everything like that was the same. Really, uh, not the same as football team, that's for sure. But uh, as far as other sports, it was. I guess the one thing that really bothered me was we worked out um, on a turf field indoors in the weight room, and the football players would have their shirts off, and they would be allowed to have their shirts off, and we had to wear these like shirts, the big T-shirts that came to here, and. Yeah. It was so hot in there and all I wanted to do was like wear my sports bra and we weren't allowed and I got in trouble and had to run more sprints because I pulled my shirt up to just wipe my sweat. Sorry. I pulled wow. my shirt, to wipe my sweat and I showed my bra and I guess it was like me trying to be sexual and that obviously wasn't the case. I was just so fucking tired from sprinting and so you weren't even allowed to like, you know, show a little bit of stomach at all when the guys could have their shirts off
0: the men's <laughs> men's pack 12 is dominating in in the tournament this year as well
2: so okay here's the thing i used to be extremely into ncaa sports and march madness and everything um and i used to i actually used to travel to all the games and um sweet 16 and stuff because i dated a guy for like five years um on rice Eastern. alford yeah how'd you know that I Guess <laughs> it's, it's all on google girl <laughs> so funny yeah I did uh the point guard for UCLA and so I used to be so into it and then uh, a few years after we broke up I was just like honestly I can't watch it because it like just it's just too much it's just I, I need a I need a little bit more I don't know I don't know I just
0: so the, I was, the breakup was to a point where you can't even watch NCAA men's games anymore
2: and I yeah and I just like don't even care and he like really really fucked me up for a while I'm not gonna lie and so I just yeah, it just doesn't really interest me anymore. It's and it sucks. It really freaking sucks.
0: All right, so how do we find find you? You're gonna have you have a YouTube series starting launching today, Monday when we when this episode comes out.
2: It's called Austin AF, and it's a play Austin on Austin AF. AF. Yeah, it's a play on AF, like as fuck, and but it actually stands for and friends. I'm actually in my studio right now. I don't know if you Show guys. Can us. See it. I'm actually interviewing today. I'm interviewing Mark Sanchez, who's also one of the hosts here at Malka. Um, They have like Mike Tyson, they have Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson show. So um, I'm super excited. And it's been kind of my dream for a while to create a talk show and um, a video first podcast. And so this is going to be a lot around dating, a lot around lifestyle tips and kind of interviewing different athletes. Like today I'm interviewing Mark Sanchez on how like, like his identity crisis, like after football. So yes, it does have a touch of sports to it sometimes, and I'll interview some athletes but at the same time, more like the mental health aspect and lifestyle around it. So I'm really excited.
0: Awesome. Well, make sure you follow Katie. Uh, give us your handles for everyone to follow.
2: It's just it's at Katie Austin on every single platform. Um, and in YouTube, it's Katie Austin fit. And I do weekly uh, YouTube videos and I have my own app, which is the Katie Austin app and has uh, 150 workout videos on it now.
0: That's all the time that we have for Katie on the This League podcast. Thanks so much for joining
2: us. Thank you. That's all the time that we have for
0: the This League podcast. Please subscribe. Please rate. Please review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe. We also have This League hoodies on sale in the Barstool store. Also, fuck everyone who's giving me one stars. It's either five stars or one stars. Somebody needs to come in and help balance these fucking trolls out. This is all Philly fans giving me one stars, telling me how I am, how much I suck. So please help out with that. Don't forget to follow us on This League and Trista underscore Crick on TikTok, IG, YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. A lot of platforms. I would prefer you value IG and TikTok. So thank you for listening.